This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Yes, indeed. Welcome to Retro Anatomy of a Movie. I'm Christian Blatt, and our uh, usual round of co-hosts, Rachel Goodman, Alexa Capiello, uh, I I think that uh, they're under quarantine, suspected of the coronavirus, which will be a really, really dated reference when people go back to watch this, but it seemed funny in my head at the time. But... Hey. The wonderful Thank you. Flobo Boys, Flobito. Hey, Flobo.com. Thank you DJ so much. DJ Flobo. In that's the true. House. That's true. Thank you so much. First time on the network. So, first time on the show, too. Thanks so much for inviting Absolutely. me. Absolutely. I think I'm coronavirus free. So, yeah, that's always right, good. That, yeah, if there's a cough, I'm going to have Ryan Yankee. Right, out right. Here. I'll do the rest of the show by myself. <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, just uh, tell people a little bit about yourself. Sure. And uh, we'll dive into Annie Hall. In a moment. That's true. Uh, I am a big wrestling fan on the other AfterBuzz TV network. I also do the Monday Night Raw and NXT after shows, but I'm a lover of films, film school graduate, graduated from Chapman University right here in Southern California uh, just a couple years ago uh, as an editor. So I'm always about the story and shaping story with, with footage and all that. So I have seen a lot of movies in the filmography of, of uh, uh, Woody Allen, but this is my first time watching any of yeah, same here. Uh, and there's a, there's a few that uh, I've uh, really enjoyed. I think uh, Crimes and Misdemeanors is amazing. And, Bulls over Broadway. Uh, Bulls over Broadway, absolutely. And then, you know, some of the more recent ones, a little bit more hit or, hit or miss, but uh, Blue Jasmine was great. So it, it's it's interesting to just kind of go back and yeah. like, well, you know that this one's great. You, you hear that. But for whatever reason, we had never seen it. Yes. <laughs> and that's the whole point of what this retro anatomy of a movie is. Uh, it's, it's movies that we haven't seen. We don't know why. It's not a conscious effort. There's never been the moment where somebody's like, hey, do you want to see Annie Hall? And I said, nope. Right. <laughs> Get that away from me. I can't <laughs> yeah. possibly, yeah. Uh, my, my wife had seen it okay. and it turned out owned the DVD. So oh, it was wow. very easy. I didn't have to see where it was streaming. I didn't have to look for anything. You didn't get in trouble, did you? She was like, we saw that one time. You no, 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 no. Okay. She, she, uh, no. she owned it from before we met. Okay. So uh, it's all right. Okay, you know. Cool. So, yeah. And so that's what we do here. And, you know, when we were kind of going back and forth about movies that neither of us had seen, I thought, what with the Oscars coming up a week from Sunday, so about a week oh, wow. and a half. Yeah, yeah. They're a little early this year. Yeah. Uh, let's go with a film that uh, did quite well in 1977. True. Uh, so, one of the things we like to do is kind of put it into context for how it was celebrated at the time. Uh, for me, I have no excuse as to why I didn't see it. It just never quite happened. I remembered seeing a little bit at one point, you know, on some movie channel on cable, probably 20 years ago. And here's the thing. If I turn on a movie I haven't seen and it's not the beginning or you, the little on-screen thing doesn't say started like two minutes ago, I'm like, I can't. Right. I'm, I'm Woody in the movie. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. That's I, I can't. Familiar. Yeah. No, I'm like, I'm not going to start this movie for the first time, you know, 20 minutes it's in. Is two minutes you cut off, though? I just, just guess. I'm saying, is it five, uh, 10 you know, minutes? It depends or? on what the movie is. And okay. also, like, honestly, you go to a movie today, you get 25 minutes of trailers. True. So it's fine. But in general, you know, I'm like, oh, I just, so that's really what happened. I saw a little of it. I'm like, okay, this is 
clearly a, a Woody Allen movie because right. there he is. Uh, and I'm like, I'm going to watch this another time. And that another time wasn't until last night. Okay. <laughs> so uh, what about what about you? Yeah. So I uh, my background is I was a, a news editor first and I applied to film school here at Chapman University. Sure. And they gave me a list of, of 75 films you had to watch before you got admitted. This is way back when I moved to California. Yeah, sure. And so you hack and Citizen Kane, fine, Bridge of River Kwai, great. And it got to the end of that list and I was running on fumes, man. I was like, look, school starting in a week. I'll get to you, Annie Hall, later. And it never did. Never did. And, and what's funny is that there's so many films that come out after that saying, oh, it's the Annie Hall for this generation or this demographic or this country that I figured, okay, I guess i kind of seen it. There's no urge to go back to the granddaddy of them all until two days ago when I right. saw it the first time. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're bringing to this. Now, uh, Flobo, I know that uh, I, I gave you a little homework to uh, look up what kind of awards and recognition the film sure. got uh, in its heyday, which is 1977. 1977. So, does, that, yeah. does that predate most of your, your friend network? Most of your friends before 1977? Uh, I was born 1976, so uh, I do, I've got some, I've got some <laughs> in people. In the nursery, I I've got watching. some people that go back. It's really just, you know, my parents and my brother. But right. still, you know, my, oh, no, my cousins and stuff. So you know what? I've got family that far back. Yeah. Uh, winner of four Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress in a Leading Role, and Best Original Screenplay. Uh, with... Uh, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With with Woody Allen taking the best director role, sure. and of course one Golden Globe and about five Baftas. So this thing, when it came out at the time, was already revered. Off yeah. the it wasn't a cult following or anything. It was that celebrated. Yeah, and it, and it's great because it's the you know the seventies in a lot of ways. You know, when people talk about the golden age of Hollywood, they're not talking about the seventies, but yeah. it is sort it's of the the auteur era where like writer directors, their vision realized on the screen is like, well, that's what was winning. So it's great to see. That this story, even though, yes, uh, 43 years ago, mm-hmm. was recognized. And you feel like today it would be like, oh, it was cute, but, right. you know, it's not a best picture. But it was so revolutionary for its time. And as uh, Ryan in the booth made sure that I was well aware, which I did not need to be reminded what year Star Wars came out, uh, this uh, this one best picture of the year Star Wars came out, I, look, I think genre films, especially back then, never had a chance. I think now they don't have much of a chance either. Right. They get nominated because there's there's more. But, uh, you know, I think even in, say, in 2021, a hypothetical Star Wars movie and a hypothetical Woody Allen movie came, yeah. uh, you know, were both nominated, I would put my money on the Woody Allen movie before yeah. the Star Wars movie. It's, you know, funny it's just you, the way that it's the way that uh, Hollywood views itself. It's funny you mentioned the, the new Hollywood period, uh, that time in the mid to late seventies, yeah. with so many auteurs and doing the sure. trans for Corporal and all that. It, it just says a lot about Woody Allen's longevity in his yeah. career. I mean, he took a very concerted effort early on to say, I'm writing and directing and starring on my stuff, or writing and directing my stuff. But the fact that he's able to change and even decide to say, hey, look, it can't be about me all the time. Yeah. He's a new crop of actors and actresses to fill in It took roles. him a little while. Yeah, it but, took him a little uh, while, yeah. but he made but that decision. Like, at this point, it's great. And then there's also just the, the simple fact that in the movie, he's talking about how he's 40. And I'm like, oh my god, you're only 40 in this? And they're like, wait a minute, are you in your mid-80s now? <laughs> yeah. How old is he? And the, the worst part of all of that 
is I'm like, oh, I'm older than Woody Allen in this movie yeah. because I'm I'm going to be 44 in two weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, how how am I old? And I've only been married once. Right. And he'd been married twice. So yeah. he got so much. You know, he accomplished. I'm talking about his character, obviously, sure. uh, in the film. So, uh, but. I don't know. I find it to be a very relatable story. Sure, there's certainly ways in which it is set in a very specific time. You know, it's certainly a product of the mid '70s right. and of New York, where uh, we are both from. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, it, it's always great to see New York from the '70s because. It's it's a disaster. They talk about it in the film multiple times that it's a dying city. I mean, people were fleeing the the five boroughs to move out to the country, basically the country suburbs where I grew up. I mean, you know, every year there would be a couple more, you know, tough guys. I'm like, well, you're you're tough because you're out at this school, but uh, you weren't so tough that you could still live in the city. Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's kind of ironic because my parents came to the country in the mid '70s because of the 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 movie (laughs) demographic. So that the housing market totally crashed and. There was a time where we were like, what's going to happen? It's going to get any worse. There was talk about a super criminal coming in the late 70s. So there really was this fear around that time. Well, yeah, Lex Luthor in uh, 1978. That was the super criminal we were all worried about. He's the greatest criminal mind in the 20th century. Clutching his hand and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. Uh, But yeah, the the, the, the idea that New York was dirty, but California, we'll talk about. It's this nice, clean utopia where things go around. It was just so ironic now. now I I thought it was very funny because having both of us having lived in both places, it is nice to kind of see the different look. And it is clearly, even for the mid-70s, a caricature of what Hollywood was like. Right. But it's still very funny. Yeah. You know, just sort of the, you know, the idea and and Woody Allen's very obviously real feelings about Los Angeles that he's always had. Yeah. You know, I mean, he only made his films in New York for, you know, probably through like into the 90s. And then he started like, you know, they started to be setting and, you know, being set in like London and Blue Jasmine was in San Francisco, you know. So, you know, but the, they were always like, well, we'll just film him in New York. And yeah, like, yeah. you know, it, he had his cast of uh, his his crew that he always used. But anyway. So seeing it in that context is always interesting. You know, I I love seeing, you know, I mean, just the the New York of the 70s is a very different New York than, you know, especially, well, the present day, but even like 20 years later, like in the 90s when, you know. Giuliani started uh, sweeping everything under the rug and then, you know, dumping the rug in the East River. You know, <laughs> I, st- I still don't know where the squeegee guys went at that <laughs> point. They're back now, yeah. but I don't know where they were during right. all that time. So, uh, in terms of the movie in general, uh, I, I, I want to talk about what our thoughts were about the movie before we'd seen it. And how that measured up with what we actually saw. I'll ask you first. Well, yeah, for sure. So I tend, to, even though I've seen a couple of Woody Allen movies, I tend to shy away from Woody Allen's work only because it's almost like his on-screen characters were were very hard to be immersed with. Right? You had sure. his, his neuroses and his, wait. So and, you didn't feel like you had anything in common with Woody Allen? I mean, as I get older, I do. That's well, just so yeah, awesome. Great point. But in the twenty, in my twenties, I'm like, oh, who's this guy who's so fussy about everything? And that's <laughs> probably contributing to why I only see a handful of his films. Sure. So, uh, and and that way, I was able to say. Okay, but besides the fact of how he delivers it, I understand where he's coming from or why we all want love, but we don't know what to say, what we want, and things like that. So, a lot of ways, the movie did exceed my expectations, yeah. but it does take a little bit of that bar to clear. Like, all right, man, it, it's, this is pure Woody. Just get used to that. Right. And I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's a great film in the way that, like, I expect, I'm like, clearly it's about a relationship, and clearly it's Woody Allen, so the relationship is not going to go well. Uh, right. He will certainly sleep. 
sleep with someone else at some point. I know, he happens a lot in this movie. He, look, good, good for Woody. Let's just let's just put it that way. Yeah, all right. Uh, I thought it was great that he had the uh, the two wives. Uh, you know, uh, the the first wife uh, being played by the delightful Carol Kane, who uh, it was great to see. She was, a, a, very, she was a nice lady. Yeah. Her character was, was Allison, who worked yeah. on the uh, worked on a campaign. I forget now who yeah. who they, who was running, but it, it, you know, that's not entirely that important. So yeah, and it basically was what I expected. The thing that struck me is it is a very primitive, in a good sense. It's a it's a simplified version of a film from the last fifteen years that I really liked. The uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel, Five Hundred Days of Summer. I think yes. that's a great movie. Okay, it's this movie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's the relationship, the highs and lows, but not shown sequentially. It jumps around in time. So in that way, it's actually it's actually very much the same. And I'm like, oh, what a, I should have seen I should have seen uh, Annie Hall before I saw that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, because what they did, it, it's it's very cool, and they make a bigger deal about you know jumping around, but. It's, uh, you know, I think, look, anybody's been in a relationship, uh, you know, we haven't all been in a relationship with with either Diane Keaton or Woody Allen, but you can relate <laughs> because yourself. you can relate for the moments where it's good. Yeah. And then, man, when it's bad, you're like, like the, the, the moment when they're sitting on the airplane and they're both thinking the exact opposite of what they're actually saying. And they're like, no, I can't break up with her. She'd be yeah. devastated. It's like, oh, no, he needs me. But then they have the honest moment of like, yeah, this isn't working. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, so it, it, a lot of that is I found to be very relatable. And, you know, they they the tone is very funny throughout, you sure. know. And as a, as a comedian flip, I'm wondering, do you appreciate the way that he's able to incorporate – you know, material one into the dialogue, mm-hmm. two into sort of being this omniscient narrator talking to us, the the audience, implementing jokes, and then also, of course, there's times where he's literally on stage performing, right. telling jokes. Uh, did you feel that that worked? Because there, look, there's movies where comedians do that and it, you know it, you see it more on television you know for every Seinfeld there were 20 other comedians who had sitcoms, sitcoms yeah. that it didn't work when they tried to stick their bits into it but what did you think about that in this film yeah overall it worked uh the thing is, if I had if the movie did not have him performing on stage, it wouldn't have been a deal breaker to me. I felt like he had enough strength of a character and, and enough of a dynamic with all the other characters in there that it would have worked. But by by itself, the fact he's on stage, icing on the cake, totally fine. Because again, as a comic, I totally see the feeling of being nervous yeah. or hey, you can't put me next to this guy. He's a comedian. He's already getting laughs. He's I gonna, thought that was great. He's gonna blow the audience. So yeah. that's always great. What it rolls back into though is that here's this person that thinks he can create what he wants in his brain at all times. He has control at all times, and as soon as things go astray, it's, I can't have this. So, to me, that was kind of like, oh, his problems, his flaws, goes beyond relationships. It goes beyond, because that's the way he is. So, I thought it was a bit of an underscore there. Yeah, and I think, look, the dialogue is very funny. I mean, some of it you can isolate, like, oh yeah, this could be something that you say on stage, but just some of the the turns of phrase that that he uses, you know, when, uh, when Annie shows up late, you know, he's like, what'd you do? Come by the way, the Panama Canal. I'm sitting here with the cast of The Godfather. Those yeah. guys are recognized him. But then my my favorite is when the guy who is the uh, very loud film critic, not literal film critic, uh, standing behind him, he, he looks at the camera and he says, what I wouldn't give for a sock full of horse manure. Right. And it's just, you know, it's just a great turn of phrase. Are you, you a know? curmudgeon as well? Uh, you know, well, for those that don't know, by the way, uh, uh, <laughs> Flobo and I, over on our sister 
sister network, After Buzz TV. Sure. Mondays at 2 Pacific, we do the Curb Your Enthusiasm yes, after show. <laughs> and uh, yes, I can certainly, I have a very curmudgeonly side that uh, the side is, is much smaller. You know, I've been married for 10 years and I have uh, two adorable children. So <laughs> it, it's more that I'm just tired all the time. But, I, I, you know, it's exhausting to be curmudgeonly all the time. Fair enough. You know, sometimes it's easier to be like, yeah, I'll just, just fine. Just I'll, roll with I'll, it. I'll just do that. Uh, the uh, the line that I was looking for, by the way, in my head, I, I found in my notes when he's first talking about L.A. And he's like, the only cultural advantage in L.A. is being able to make a right on a red, which uh, made me laugh. So it's that so I true, it though. Yeah. I was in upstate New York one time and I was at a red light and someone honked me. Yeah. Did not turn around. I, like, I had no idea. Like, Don't you know what red means? I, I had no <laughs> idea what was going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I thought that uh, I thought it was uh, it was very funny. And look, there's uh, some interesting cast that show up throughout the course of the movie that surprised me. I had no idea Christopher Walken was in this movie. Oh yeah, but boy, was I excited to see yeah. him! And you know, like a very young Christopher Walken, yeah. and just you know, if there was ever going to be a guy who talks about you know driving and thinking about you know steering into the oncoming headlights, and he can already envision the explosion. Yeah. And, of course, Woody Allen has to then get in the car with him when he's driving. Can I say that? I, I saw that. I was like, hey, it's Meg Zorn. That's the first thing I said. <laughs> that even – okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, – and, you know, look, I think that it's – there There are some very identifiable moments. It's funny because the notion of uh, psychotherapy, you know, they refer to it as going to your analyst, which it seems to be a very – Old school New York way of saying going to psychiatrist is not really you know, but yeah. it was it was it was seen as unusual. And when he she, she asked if he'd been going for a while, it's like only fifteen years. Yeah. Making good progress. Though. Yeah, look, and a lot of creative people, uh, you know, I think uh, I think Howard Stern goes four days a week. You yeah. know, so yeah. it's just like it, it just like, helps. It helps people, and you know what? Uh, very successful creative people. It seems to be uh, particularly useful. Well, I know I can understand it, and I thought it was interesting because. Because that was another one of those times where we got the split screen and what she was saying and what he was saying were very different uh, uh, best summed up as well how often uh, do you have sex and he's like only three times a week and she says all the time like three times a week <laughs> yeah. and it's just it's so funny to get both sides of it you know and I think that's what the film does well and you look you have to look at it through the, the jeweler's loop of 1977 when it was released because of so many movies that uh, came after it but what are some of the things that stood out for you Flobo yeah I think it's how naturalistic it was I mean this is this what 15-20 years removed from those screwball comedies of the 50s and 60s where it's like I'm not about your baby smooch 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 <laughs> uh, you know it, it's always good to talk about breakups and, and makeups but the decline is always where the heartbreak really happens I just got out of a relationship that almost lasted 7 years and it was amicable but, but the, the last 3 months where we're trying to go in, in the car for drive and say what did it go wrong yeah. What did it break down? Was it something I did? Was oh, it was all her. That balance hardly ever got talked about in film until really this one, in a way where it was relatable, but it wasn't a buzzkill either. Where it was like, man, this Woody Allen guy he used to go to a shrink. It was okay. I understand why that happened. So. Yeah, and I think that you know, even after they're broken up, and he's trying, you know, he's at the rented beach house with a different woman, and they got the lobsters, and he's trying to recreate the magic. I mean, I think that you know, they don't spend too much time on it it's just a reminder of like yeah when you move on to the next relationship you're not going to really be able to to rekindle those exact feelings just hopefully you find someone 
that uh, you feel differently about. It's not uh, true. Yeah. Uh, I did enjoy referencing back to Annie's family uh, back in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> the sitting there with the family and uh, just how the we've established that is that Grammy Hall uh, hates Jews. Right. And so, of yes. course, she sees him as like an Orthodox rabbi. Right. And just doesn't really, you know, just everything he says, it seems like he can't really say the right thing. Uh, so, I don't know. I find a lot of, you know, a lot of it, I think, is very relatable, uh, you know, just the, all across the There's a little bit about, well, he's Jewish, the whole Jewish identity thing, but uh, and I, I won't go into it because I'm not Jewish, but I feel like when we're meeting someone and their family for the first time, we want someone on some level to make us better, better people, better caregivers, better providers. We want someone to make us better, right? And yeah. then, so when you meet their family and they look for their approval, anything you're at least a little bit insecure about is on the top of your brain, whether it's your size, your color, your weight, your your background, how Jewish you are, how New yeah. York you are, whatever. And that was pitch perfect because it really was just a dinner on the sexual side, but it really was uncomfortable for Alvy. Uh, right. And I was kind of wondering uh, your thoughts on – I think it's it's handled in a way that nobody gave it a second thought in 1977 or in, honestly, a lot of the time since then. Uh, it doesn't heavily deal with race, but then comments are, are sort of made offhand. The one that comes to mind is that Annie has that black soap. Yeah. And and, he, and she, she's like, yeah, I just, I, I bathe it every day. What are you doing, a minstrel show? Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And I'm like, yeah. okay, it's not, that's not like an, even an outrage now, but you just, there were moments like that. It's not the only one, that's just the one that comes sure. to mind. There were times that they dealt with race where you're like, yeah, they probably would just stay away from it. Did you feel that at all watching it the other day? I'm, I'm so glad you brought up that, that particular joke. Because I was like, yikes, that's definitely a part of its time. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. Like it's, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's not. It's not like oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm not gonna cancel people associated with the movie. Right. But it's like, ooh, yeah. yeah, it's way too risky now. Yeah. And I hate to sound like the old guy in a rocking chair. Like, oh, we've all changed. But when things when we're living now, and this is my soapbox moment. That's all right. But, that's why we're here. But we're living now with social media, where you can clip things out and, and show without context, yeah. uh, that looks like completely like out of line, right? But in the course of the movie, because we saw this person totally get mad and, and say the, the mafia joke earlier with the two yeah. guys who recognized him, you're kind of like, okay, I'm on board. That's the kind of character he is. He's an old curmudgeon, as we say. So yes. uh, that joke would not fly today. But in, even in that context, I was like, <laughs> Yeah, no, no, that's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah, yeah and, and there, there's, there are more, but that was the one that I, that I wrote down that I remembered. And yeah, I mean, look, I think a lot of it is by the yep. way, a good Woodley Allen impression. I like your impression of stuff. I, you know, I, I don't even think I'd ever tried one before. You know, <laughs> you should see my Montgomery Clift. But in any case, I thought that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I just I'm gonna just I have to make sure I get in one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie. Don't knock masturbation. I'm having sex with someone I love. I I just uh, I was just like, wow. He really just said that. That's that's so perfect. You gotta have a bumper sticker. <laughs> I, yeah. What kind of reaction do you get when people try? For, what? I cannot believe what that car says. <laughs> yeah. uh, love so, yourself first, man. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I think it's just... Uh, I, I do think that it's... I don't know. I, I like them showing them starting to get on different tracks. You know, they break up for a little bit. And Shelley Duvall, amazing, is the obnoxious rock and roll journalist. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, just you know, talking about, you know, Dylan and, and uh, Mick's birthday and just all of the, you know, the backhanded comments that he has about it, you know. Uh, so I, I thought it was was very funny. That was another great. I had no idea she was in the movie, yeah. so it was great to see her. Granted, we all have dated someone who basically equates their self worth at things they've done. 
know who mm-hmm. they are. And that was pretty. I'm usually that person that someone else is dating. <laughs> so Mick uh, Jagger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if only. Uh, so yeah, I think that uh, there's. Uh, the, yeah, there, there's a lot of that in it, you know, when you're, you're seeing them sort of on different paths, though. And I, I sort of liked to re- reference back to the the second scene at the beach house with this other woman and who's just like, why are you freaking out about the lobster? Just put them in the pot. You know, just doesn't get it. Right. She doesn't get any of the jokes he's making. Right. She doesn't understand anything about him. And I think that that's a great stark contrast of... You really thought that everything was so terrible. Uh, I, I think that the film does a great job. And look, very succinctly, it's a solid 90-minute movie, and that's it. Yeah. It's like a drive-by. If it's a 90-minute movie, you know, it, it's, I don't know, it's probably starring Adam Sandler. Right, know? right. I, I mean, comedian Adam Sandler, not Uncut Gems Adam Sandler. Sure. But I, I think that it's, uh, I don't know, I think that it, it kind of hit all the right notes. And it doesn't, it doesn't totally bum you out at the end. Right. You know, I think that it has the nice... Coda towards the end, where uh, where he's turned it into a play, but he gives himself the happy ending that he didn't actually get. It's like, no, I will come back with you, which yeah. of course is like, you know, the dialogue's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. and then it's like, no, I'm going to come back with you. It's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, everything she said leading up to it. Meant We've that all she, we all done that in, yeah. our, in our mind's eye. It's like it'd be so much different. If she said yes, and yeah. that happened the way it is. And yeah, you're right. It's not the happy ending in the traditional sense. There's no sweeping swell of music. There's no like, I love you, you know, snookums and kiss, kiss, kiss. But there is something. There's something beautiful in the, in the damage or what you saw, the survey yeah. of it all, and. And it had it played it to black, it kind of would have been a bummer. But I think it would have been also would have worked. But the play put to saying, hey, look, we all do that thing in our brain. We try to revise how it would end and how it would be different. Yeah, and I like the fact that he's like, oh, you know, I ran into her uh, a few years later and we talked and everything was good. And what you don't really see because it's such a wide shot, I thought this was a nice touch. She's with another guy. He's with another woman. We don't get to know either of their other people, which I think is great because it's like it's, it's it kind matter. of incidental. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's good. Look, I mean, it depends on the breakup, and it depends on how much time goes by. You know, I, I'm i still friendly with my first girlfriend, who if I think really hard, I can figure I have not been dating her for 25, 26 years now. Yeah. Still be able to be very friendly with her. You yeah. know, So it just depends on how it ends. And I kind of like that it leaves on that note. You know, where it's yeah. like, no, they can still be good. Um, I wanted to uh, spend uh, the last couple minutes here talking about the uh, L.A. portion, which we touched on. Before I just want to say shout out to Yashas in the chat. Yes, says, yes. This is one of my favorite movies ever. Totally. Uh, and Annie Hall and Har- when Harry Met Sally are the top three ones. another great one. Of all time. Yeah. Have you covered that on the, on the network yet? Have you covered that? Uh, I don't know if the network has covered it, but uh, we haven't covered it uh, on this show because my usual co-hosts are uh, Rachel and Alexa. And if they Fair. haven't seen When Harry Met Sally, Fair. I would be like, what? <laughs> I know, right? Look, uh, uh, Alexa's Italian and she hasn't seen Goodfellas. I'm like, I don't even understand you. I don't, mine yeah. is Jurassic Park. I haven't seen that one. You know, I didn't see it until a few years ago, Jurassic Park. It's weird, yeah. It's because I missed it. It's like when it wasn't on the, you know, sometimes there's movies, and we'll talk about this as the series goes along, and hopefully, Flobo, you'll be able to come back once in a while. Sometimes the movie... You, 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 everybody you knew already saw it. I'm like, there was a, an age where I'm like, I don't want to go see the movie by myself. Right. And then also, once a movie wasn't on the big screen anymore, I'm like, what TVs used to be like, the old like box shape, uh, you know, put plug the VHS in. 
I didn't want to see Jurassic Park on that size screen. Wait six months yeah, for VHS. Yeah, like, no. so they did a, a re-release probably in 2013 for, what, the 20th anniversary or whatever? Whenever it was. And I was like, okay, I'll see it now because I want to see it on the big screen. Sure. And I'm like, oh, it's great. Sam Jackson, Wayne Knight. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. And another name to get us back on track with Annie Hall. Jeff Goldblum. Nice. Who has Smooth. a cameo. Yeah. But it's great. He's on phone. He's like, I've forgotten my mantra, yeah. which obviously they're dealing with sort of this faux spirituality from the late 60s, early to mid 70s. You know, everybody's dealing with auras and chakras and all this stuff. And, yeah. you know, even if that was true in L.A. at this point. I'm going to assume it's all heightened from Woody Allen's perspective from, you know, Manhattan, where yeah, he, yeah. he rules over the world. But I, I found it a perfect touch when you see these beautiful palm trees and you know, bright blue sky, sunny day. They're driving with the top down and Christmas carols are blaring because I remember yes. the first Christmas I was out here, the Christmas of 2003. It was like 80 degrees. I was in an outdoor shopping mall and they'd put up the Christmas lights around the palm trees. I'm like, no, this is just wrong. Yeah. You know, and, and I think people from here or from other places maybe don't think of it that way. But it's specifically when you come from New York and you're in L.A. for the first time and it's Christmas, you're like, oh, to quote the song from Live Aid, do they know it's Christmas at all? <laughs> That's not, I, I, I'll, I'll go do you one better. I think uh, when I when I moved to L.A. It was August of 2007. Uh, it had went two and a half months before Day of Rain. And I thought oh. I was in a movie. I thought I was in the Truman Show. I was like, wait. Oh, yeah. I forgot there's rain. I, 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 there, my, my old roommate and I, we had a moment where this was one of the first couple of years we were out here. We had to think back on when it rained. And it was probably late summer. And we're like, we think April. Yeah. You know, we, we think it had been like five months. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. No, and it's crazy. People that don't live out here don't, uh, you know, don't quite get those, those things at all, you know. But uh, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's very funny. And so uh, before we, we finish up entirely, I want to make sure we get time to talk about sort of the, the big point that we always make in this show. Did it live up to the hype for you? Did Annie Hall live up to the hype for you, Flobo? You personally? Oh, man, that's a really hard question because romantic comedy and hype don't really go together usually. Well, yeah, but it's, it, you know, it's it's very well regarded. I mean, you know, I would say that there can't possibly be a, a romantic comedy that is also Best Picture. Ryan in the booth, you tell me, is, when Harry Met Sally didn't win Best Picture. Double I, checking right now. Uh, maybe Sleepless in Seattle, but there's not going to be a lot. We'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah, so if, you can just uh, you can just uh, take a look at the, the list of uh, Academy winners. Yeah, we can go to the, uh, it's not called the Kodak Theater anymore, the Dolby Theater. And right. as you go up the steps, it's all the Best Picture winners. So sure. if we could just stroll through there and be like, you know, uh, It Happened One Night from like 1931 is definitely a romantic comedy, but it's a screwball comedy. And right. it's also Right, different. 1931. Kind of so I, I think it does live the life in that way because if if you can't deny the fact that it's influenced uh, to other films in that genre, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of Along Came Polly, which is a very, very like derivative version of this. But yes. the idea of the manic pixie dream girl, like you said, I Need the Summer, all that things are pulled from that kind of film. Uh, I enjoy it. I probably will see it again. Definitely for me personally, when I will like rush to see again. Yeah, but it's not like a movie where I'm like I'm over it. You know, I, mean, I think I think it's great. I understand why it's so highly regarded, and it's probably. 
the the first Woody Allen movie that uh, people saw, whether you know they saw it in that day or just like when you're going through those film lists of like we'll start with Annie Hall. I just saw things that were more contemporary because of classes I was in. I do think Crimes and Misdemeanors is the first one that I saw because I saw it in a film class, and uh, I still contend that that is my favorite. Uh, but uh, I I'm very interested in in seeing this film again. You know, maybe with the perspective of another few years, I would be more inclined to see other Woody Allen movies that I haven't seen yet. And I know that there's another one that you haven't seen that uh, you I'm, thought was this one. Right? Yeah, it was you Manhattan. Have, you haven't seen Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, Manhattan yeah, yeah. yeah, right, exactly. So yeah, if I were to go through the list, uh, the filmography of uh, Woody Allen, uh, I would probably find a few. Uh, and then you know, just sort of in closing, because we're looking at this from the modern day perspective. It's a little different, you know, when you see Woody Allen and just some of the things that come up. Because, look, there's controversy surrounding him. The, you know, he's been in a very long relationship with uh, with Sunyi, who is now has, I believe that they got married, but he yeah. never actually married Mia Farrow. Right. But she was one of Mia Farrow's adoptive daughters. Sure. And in the time that that story broke, it, uh, it, you know, it was obviously a very big deal in sort of the early to mid-90s. You know, to make the point that they have been together and are still together today, you know, clearly that relationship starting in a way that I think a lot of people really don't understand. Others find, you know, possibly criminal and other allegations around him. It's it's hard to not consider those. But I well, let me ask you first. Yeah. Did that shape the way you watched it at all, knowing this about his personal life, which obviously in 1977 not only did people not know it, it hadn't happened yet. Sure. It, that specifically did not. Uh, I, I did hear about the rumors and rumblings that, that there, sure. there were few roles of color for his films, and it's hard to mention that. It reminds me of a story when well, I... Well, let me just interrupt. Especially for a guy who sets all of his movies in New York. It's like, right. So you, you couldn't find any characters that could be African-American right. in, in any of your movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's hard, too, because I, I know when I, my personal, at my film school, there was a big poster, Birth of a Nation, I complained about it, and they decided not to move it at the time. They officially moved it, like, ten years later. That was a big point of contention for me, but the art versus the impact it has. Right. I don't knock anyone who decides to cancel Woody Allen for their own personal reasons, sure. but the film was made before those things happened. Yeah. So if you're willing to, to put that aside, you will be in for an entertaining time. But there is a, a right a person should have as the audience yeah. to say. No, you can feel whatever you want about yeah. someone, and you know, even if you had seen the movie and they go, "I don't like him anymore," now I don't want to watch it. Look, a really a, a tricky one is Chinatown, which I think is a fantastic film. Yeah. But by the time I'd seen it, uh, Roman Polanski had fled the country, you know, uh, for uh, well, for for raping a thirteen-year-old. I True. mean, you can you can try and put that in, you know, right. euphemize that, but why should you? Yeah, you know, and you know, and, and look, he gets celebrated, he gets standing ovations at the Oscars when he's not there. He's gotten he's won Oscars, and it's really only in the last couple years that people start to say like. Oh, if we're going to be judging all of the terrible people of today, why are we giving a pass to Roman Polanski? You know, Roman Polanski's victim has long come to terms. She feels like, you know, he should be able to return to the country, all this. But it's not really up to her. You know, right. it's interesting that she's been able to make peace with it. But it's like, yeah, but the, the, the law still hasn't. Sure. So I can understand somebody never seeing Chinatown. I do find that to be a fantastic film. But... 
I if somebody told me like yeah I can't watch it I'm like I, I can't blame you you know what I mean right the one of the, the the good things or bad things or, or controversial things for any kind of artist is that your audience will bring their perspective and yeah. their perspective to, to your work and craft and their moral compass so uh, again if if you want to have a standard yourself it's good to keep it consistent across the board but you can go to history and see so many people created things that were great but by today's standard would have been canceled as well and Roman Polanski I think I saw the Ghost Rider in theaters didn't know about the controversy right sure and been going back and hear about it you're like oh my goodness. Goodness, it did change my perspective, but I can't say what I would do either way. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, it's uh, I, I don't know. I haven't. I have, honestly haven't seen that many Roman Polanski films, but that one was so highly regarded, and it, it's hard to turn down Jack Nicholson in his prime. You yeah. Know? Well, the first movie, the second one, not so much. <laughs> oh, two Jakes? No, I have not seen the two Jakes. <laughs> two I, I, I've just seen one Jake. Okay, yeah, that's, one the only, that's, that's the only that's number of Jakes that uh, that I feel like I <laughs> yeah. needed. Anyway, I thought it was uh, it was good to you know inject a little uh, seriousness there at the end, but. Uh, Flobo, I really appreciated having you here Thanks on the show, me. and uh, please come back anytime that we're doing a movie that you haven't seen, of course. But until the next time people see you on this show, where can they find you? Flo the Steam Music. Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Flobo Boys, on Instagram at Flobito, and Flobito.com. Yeah, Ryan is playing this on his 1988 Casio right now for us. And <laughs> I'm Christian Blatt. You can find myself, Rachel Goodman, and Alexa Capiello back here next Tuesday at 2 Pacific for Stripes. A film that none of us have seen, except Flobo has. Hey. So you will not. So you're you're disinvited. Aww. But you can find Flobo and I Thursday yeah. on the Star Trek Picard After Show over on AfterBuzz TV, and as we mentioned earlier, Mondays the Curb Your Enthusiasm Enthusiasm After Show. In any case, that is all the time we have now. Thank you so much, everybody in the chat. We always appreciate your impact. We'll see you next time at the movies. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.